G'day, everybody, and welcome to the McLeod's Daughters podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jessica Kate, and I am here with my co-host, Rachel Hack. Oh, hi, everybody. Rachel. I'm here. <laughs> it is, I feel like it's been ages. I'm like forgetting the exact way I usually do our intro. But anyway, I think that was close enough. <laughs> um, Hi, everybody. We're here with the McLeod's podcast. That's what we're doing. We are. We're here to talk about McLeod's daughters. And this is a bit of a special episode. Um, We're doing a season one recap because we've finished season one. We've actually both just watched the first episode of season two this morning. So we're ready to record the next episode about that. It'll come out in the next fortnight. Um, So we're excited about the future of it. But first, we wanted to have a bit of a look back. So, um, Rachel, what did you think when you sort of look back over the journey that we've taken on Drover's Run for season one? Well, this is my, you know, first introduction. So I'm watching the show brand new. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me, everybody. I'm actually getting over a COVID voice. So <laughs> in years from now, when we listen to this podcast, Jessica, we'll all remember COVID was here. Um, but um I enjoyed it. It was really fun to be in the outback. It was fun to be in that world. Um, I had a lot of fun with the language and a lot of fun with the Mm -hmm. customs and traditions. Being an American, I really enjoyed it because I love Australia. And um, hmm, I'm still just trying to decide where we are time-wise. So that's a little (laughs) bit frustrating for me. I don't know where we are time-wise. Like what like in episode one of, of season two, they actually mentioned Christmas. So I'm thinking not much time has passed. And then, but I love, I love I the relationships. Um, I, I love the weirdness between Nick and Alex and the sisters and Tess mm-hmm. and Claire. <laughs> uh, Becky's my all-time favorite character. Uh, but I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this show. I enjoy seeing people chase their dreams mm-hmm. and that these are women I think it just proves that women since the dawn of time have chased their dreams it just looks different you know we have different roles and callings and we do different functions today than we did even 100 years ago from our grandmothers and great-grandmothers but it's good to see strong women portrayed on television who are kind and nice and generous and so I, I really feel like it was a good season and it was a good introduction to this storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I flicked this morning back through my notes, you know, every episode I, I watch the episode and I type notes up about it. So then we can chat about it and I don't forget what's happened. And flicking back through, I was kind of thinking about, I have, I've never sat down and watched the show, like watch episodes sort of sequentially before, but I've seen random episodes over the years, you know, living in Australia, you couldn't escape it while it was airing. It was everywhere. And so like, I was thinking about what my expectations had been of season one from sort of seeing random snippets of later on and, and then what season one actually was. And I also went back and particularly read through my notes around like the pilot episode, episode two and episode three, because pilot episodes, I'm like a giant TV nerd, obviously, as someone who has a podcast about television um, and writes books Um, and particularly pilot episodes, because it's like, it's such a challenge. You have to set up something that can run for 100, 200 episodes of interesting content and you have to like put the seeds of all that in one episode at the start and some shows nail it some shows don't nail it but they end up being you know having great successful lives anyway and some don't nail it and they and then you never see them again 
And I feel like McLeod's, when I looked at like episode one, episode three, I feel like episode two could, couldn't could have not existed and it would have made no difference to the broader storyline. Like that one's probably my least favourite episode of the whole season, really. Um, that's one where they were doing all the sheep shearing. Uh, but one and three, I felt were really parts one and two of the actual pilot. <laughs> and it just got split over sort of yeah, these I two would episodes. Because in episode one, you have all the stuff about the sisters. So they're half sisters, they've been estranged, the whole setup with Tess inheriting half of the farm, the fact that Claire is country and Tess is city, and we have this clashing of worlds. That's all in the first episode. We meet Alex and we briefly see Nick, but we don't really meet Nick. And from the start, Alex is friends with Claire, buddy, buddy, been mates forever, and he's hitting on Tess. That is like, I I didn't realise how early that started, but it's literally in his first scene. It's some of the first words out of his mouth. (laughs) Him him bantering with Claire and then hitting on Tess. And... um, and then over in episode three, and, and Becky is just sort of this girl who works at the pub and you don't even realise that she's going to be an important character for the first two episodes. But then all of a sudden in episode three, we kind of get the second half of what this show is really about, which is a group of women on this farm, Becky being the final and very important piece. She doesn't join McLeod's, like, at Drover's Run until that third episode where she quits the pub, you know, Brian has attacked her, she now joins the women and this is now the group that we're going to live with for the next season. And we also don't really meet Nick in any depth and him and Tess don't meet each other until the third episode either. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, oh, man, like I wonder, you know how the um, Topher Grace took all three of the original Star Wars movies and he edited them down to one movie, which is apparently amazing, but you can't release it because he doesn't own them, obviously, but it's just it cuts out all the slow bits. That's what I want to do with these two episodes. Right, right. TV has changed. I am someone who's, you know, watching it 20 years later without the context of 2001 around me so much. I was only a kid at the time. So to me, they feel a little slow, but TV probably is. I mean, TV and movies always get a faster pace. You know, you, you look at things from the 50s and in I personally nearly fall asleep. <laughs> But, yeah, that was sort of my thought on that one. I was just comparing it to there's a TV show which I think has, like, the most perfect pilot episode that I've nearly seen anywhere. And it, you're going to laugh because it's so different to the clouds, but in some ways similar. It's called Killjoys and it's about bounty hunters in space. It is probably my second favourite show of all time. Wow, wow. But it's similar to McLeod's in that it's about a strong woman. She's living in this man's world. She's, you know, making all the decisions and running everything and she's the boss. And, um, and it's about she um, works in this. The, she starts off in a partnership. She's been working with this guy. They're bounty hunting partners for like six years. And the pilot episode is just the most perfect thing I've ever seen because you find out exactly who these characters are it's got a great twist in the first two minutes and then you find out exactly who these characters are and they stay consistently as those characters i'm in season four now and they're just they're perfectly them at all times it's so consistent they're each really different to each other and the show just makes their really different personalities clash in the most funniest ways all the way through and it just oh it just it just works, right? It just works. But um, so that was my like reflections on the part. But that obviously hasn't held the show. Like it was still, it was fine. 
I don't want to criticize too much. It was fine. It obviously didn't hold the show back. So many people love it so much now, but I was like, oh man, like you could almost just take like 10 minutes of the first episode, pop it into episode three and you'd kind of get like maybe an hour and a half long pilot episode and, and that would kick off the show. It'd be cool. Yeah. Um, remember that we talked to one of the extras, one of the hands mm-hmm. and he was saying, Jim, and we've talked about this before, but I'll, I'll bring it back up now. Well, Jim. Yes. He was saying how the episodes were filmed out of sequence. And so mm. I feel like in the beginning, that's what we see. The pilot episode is clearly the pilot because we meet Tess and Claire and we meet their story. But I feel like the subsequent two and three and four maybe got shifted around from filming. And of course there's the classic, I think we're three to four shows in when Tess admits she doesn't know how to ride, but she's been riding all along. In <laughs> That's a couple, true. Because you know, in, obviously in the, pilot, in the pilot, she rides out with everyone else and we don't get a hint that she doesn't know how to ride. And so probably what you're feeling is them trying to figure out which way to continue the story after that amazing mm-hmm. pilot you know, and so now, so now what do we do? How, now, how do we, and even as a writer, I was looking through People Magazine this mm-hmm. morning, for some reason, it comes to our house under the name of Mafalda. So my husband calls me Mafalda now. And um, <laughs> so I was, Mafalda was reading her People Magazine and there was a story about Brooke Shields recovering from a broken femur. And it was a really weird accident. She was standing wow. on one of those boards that you balance on at the gym what has like a a, like a um like a roller underneath of it and then you stand on it Ah. and then you balance and it kind Mm -hmm. of helps work your core anyway she fell off and just one of those and it's not that big of a fall but she must have just fallen in a certain way it really broke her leg bad and I'm thinking oh I was hearing her recovery like she had to learn to walk again she had pins put in she had a couple of surgeries you know all this and I'm like oh my character fell off of a stage and broke her hip, but I didn't talk anything about <laughs> surgeries and pins and, oh my goodness. And the book is in proof now. I can't add that now. <laughs> and so, because, you know, and even though I research all this stuff, it wasn't the point of the story, but now that I've, so my point is, is that maybe somewhere along the line of the storytelling of McLeod's daughter, somebody said, you know, we don't think Claire, Tess would know, excuse me, Tess would know how to ride a horse. <laughs> we better put that into the story. You know, when you're filming, epi- filming episodically and writing even episodically, that's easy to do. You just, well, what's this story's problem? You maybe mm-hmm. don't always think about the consistency with what you've set up. Like, you know, uh, she rode out on a horse in the first episode. Mm-hmm. So I think this may be what happened, but I also feel like, you know, as Jim said, some of the things were filmed out of sequence. And so, and I also think it's lightning in a bottle to get the, that's why I take my hat off to the writers of Killjoy so much, because like, you know, we both write books and we were just talking about how many times we go through the book and change stuff in it before it's like ready for publication. You and I are both somewhat similar in that, like, we do not have it mapped out perfectly from the start and then write each of those scenes. We like, we start things that we don't finish and then at the end we're like oh I discovered this great thing now I have to go back through the whole book and add it all in and like stuff like that one of my all-time favorite shows is Community and like if you watch that show it is very it becomes a very different show to what it started as and and certain characters like totally sort of change what they're about 
but it works better and it was the right decision for them. But they just didn't, they didn't have a super clear, what, or what they thought they were going to do at the start isn't what they did at the end. And I think it's normal. Um, and that if you can ever like nail one where you have a perfect vision from the start and it goes all the way through, enjoy it. Cause it's probably not going to happen again. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I do hear people talk about how, oh, I had this story on my heart and I just wrote it out in two weeks. I think um, how Stella got her groove back. I think the author mm-hmm. of that book, she just went somewhere and wrote for like two weeks and she came up with it. And mm-hmm. then you, and author Melissa Tagg, who we both know, mm-hmm. had gone on a writing retreat not long ago and she came home from like a week of writing with a pretty with a finished novel and she sent it off to her editor and, and there weren't that many edits. And I'm like, Oh my maybe God, that's what I need to do. Just <laughs> go somewhere unplugged, unplugged for two weeks. And I, there's nothing to do, but write. <laughs> you come out with a novel. I don't think I'd have don't a know. whole novel. But I'm a, <laughs> no, I'm a processor. So mm-hmm. I have to write one day. And then that night I go, Oh, these are things I can do. This is how I need to fix it. This is where I need to go. You know, I have to, and even that, I just remember when I was in the corporate world, I'd be in a meeting and, you know, we'd be talking about a project or an installation or something. And then the next day I would come back and be like, okay, guys, I've got it now. So like I can finish the meeting the next day. Yeah. 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 That's the way I write. That's the way you write. That's what we do. Yeah. And I think that's the way the Rise of McLeod is written. All that to just say, please don't think I'm slamming the Rise of McLeod at all. I, I understand how it is totally a part of the process, but it's just an observation. Like I feel like parts of the show maybe sort of shifted a little, but now we're really in a groove at the end of season one. Um, another thing that surprised me is I had expected in season one that Nick would be a bigger character. He certainly appears in most episodes, but he probably has the least lines of any one of the major characters. He would have less than Meg and he's probably on par or less than Terry actually. And yet I feel like we keep giving, getting hints that Nick is going to be a major player. He's going to be a huge part of this story. He, I feel like he's been set up to be a linchpin, but not only has he not had many lines, his actions in the show haven't like dramatically impacted any of the other characters yet. He hasn't upset the apple cart at Kalani. He hasn't done anything major with, you know, I think the biggest decision that he made in it was when he sort of made a pass at Claire and they ended up deciding not to pursue it. Um, But, you know, he's made no, he keeps hinting that he likes Tess but not doing anything about it. (laughs) And he just kind of works on his farm and talks to Alex about Alex's problems sometimes. And he might do some little things, but, you know, he hasn't had, I feel like there's a big Nick moment coming. It's not here yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I wonder when when I watch shows and there's an actor like Nick or a character like Nick and they come in and they come out, I wonder if the actor was not available to do more. I don't know. That is very possible. Did Miles have other commitments? Mm -hmm. So I remember in season... In season, I think it's season 11 of one of my favorite all-time shows, um, Frasier. I'm a sitcom girl. Such a good show. (laughs) um, Yeah, the dad, Martin, at the end falls in love with Ronnie, the character. Yes. So she's in, and then there's all these episodes where she's not, and then she's Mm -hmm. in towards the end of 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 the season 
really, you know, a lot because she ends up Mar- Marianne Martin. Sorry if I spoiled it for anybody. And, um, but I'm like, the years. actress <laughs> must not have been, been, yeah, the actress must not have been available. So, you know, it could mm-hmm. be that, it could be that they're trying to balance how are we going to have two brothers and two sister storylines? Mm-hmm. And it also could be that they use him as what they're doing with him. We bring him in, we throw a kink into the romantic works, and then we back him away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe they're still trying to figure out if they're team Nick or team Alex. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah. And I wonder too, you know, usually a show doesn't know if they're going to be back next season. Heck, half the time they might get the first, or at least I listen to a lot of podcasts about American TV, they might get the first half of the season booked in, but sometimes they don't even know if they're going to get the final. I think it's nine episodes often as the second. I think they used to often get 13 up front and then nine. Um, I know there's a season of Chuck that's like that. You watch it and like halfway through the season, it feels like the season finale happens. And then all of a sudden you just kind of get there's a there's a bunch of episodes tacked onto the end and I watched a thing about it and they were like yeah we didn't we had the whole thing planned we thought it was ending there and then we just got given a bunch more episodes and so they had to like whack was that like season five was that their last season season? three that one was season three so like the one where Chuck and Sarah get together they thought would be the final episode of that season but yeah then they have a, a whole bunch of other stuff oh have you lost audio no, they did for a second there. I'm back. Oh, there You're we back. go. We're, We're back. all We're here. Back. We're all here. <laughs> so, yeah, I wonder yeah. if they knew, you know, did they know they were just going to, did they think maybe they wouldn't be coming back after season one? Or, like, it feels to me like they've they've been saving Nick up for seasons two, three, four, maybe, or something like that. And so they're just mostly playing with Alex in season one. I'm like, maybe they knew that they were going to get a few good seasons to, you know, nut this out. I wonder what the plan was. Let's we'll take it from a writer's perspective. Mm. Yeah, we will. Mm. Hi, Posey. Um, let's take it from a writer's perspective and I've done this writing novels and I'm sure you have too, or writing is that you're trying to figure out you drop in a character and, and as the story is going along, some characters just kind of rise to the surface and you have your main two protagonists, which in this case is Claire and Tess. And then you have the real supporting cast, which is um, Becky, Jody and Meg. And then the rest is kind of cursory and the guys even come in, even in the beginning, we don't see, a lot of Alex and Nick, either one in the beginning, just kind of, oh, there they are, there they aren't. And then, so maybe it's the writers trying to figure out what kind of show are we telling? And it's the classic thing that they did with Gilmore Girls mm-hmm. because Gilmore Girls was about a mother and daughter mm-hmm. and making it on their own. But they wanted the women to have romance. Mm-hmm. So they would have... Um, Lorelai go through these different romances and or they would have um, Rory go through these different romances in the very last episode of the whole entire series Logan proposes to Rory and she turns him down and then the very last scene is Lorelai and Rory sitting in Luke's and of course Luke and Lorelai there's a hint that they might get back together but we're not really sure because they had been broken up over his daughter April and and, but that was mirrored the beginning scene. So mm-hmm. I think when you're writing shows where you want to have a certain focus and the, um, so McLeod's daughters is about these women running this ranch and these sisters kind of building their own relationship and forging a relationship. There might be a debate on the writer's point of view. If I were sitting at that writing table, I'd be asking how much do we want to have these guy characters coming in 
and we know we want romance for these women. We know we want to have love stories as part of the series, but how much are we going to bring these guy characters in when we're trying to build this cast of, of female characters? So I don't know. It's maybe it's just a balance of figuring out. And, and it, a lot of times could be actor availability or how much you're willing to pay the actors, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it could be whatever their agent worked out. Like um, for Miles's agent, he might have said, look, we'll work out for what you're willing to pay. He, he'll be in 15 episodes. You know, so that's true. That we is, often so. forget that there's so many other constraints on TV shows that you know they had unlimited time, budgets, access to everything. They'd probably tell rather different stories to what they tell with all the constraints. I mean, the best one of the best episodes I reckon ever of Friends was the one where they're trying to Ross is trying to get them out the door to this awards ceremony of his, and they just things keep going wrong with all different ones of the friends and they won't leave and that whole episode came about because the show was wildly over budget and they couldn't afford any other sets and so they said we need one episode where we only need one set and it's the apartment and then we don't have to build any other sets for the whole thing and so like that constraint and it it ended up being one of the I think the best episodes that they ever did and yeah the one with the chair ah oh, what's the, the name of it the one with the, the chair, with the chair. Oh, that's right, because Joey and um, Chandler keep fighting over who gets to sit in the chair. Fighting <laughs> that's the over one the where chair. he wears all of Chandler's clothes. <laughs> Could I be wearing any more clothes? <laughs> yes. oh, There's classic. a show it's here. I, it's classic. It's classic. There's a show here called Blue Bloods. I don't know if you guys have watched oh, that yes, one. It's a that Friday is on night TV cop show. Danny Wahlberg. Um, and so when they came back a couple of seasons ago, boom, Danny's wife is dead. And we're all, I'm like, Why? why'd you kill Linda? And I heard a rumor that it was be- salaries. Yeah. So yeah. in order to pay sometimes. some people more, they had to get rid of somebody. Mm-hmm. And based on some things I saw on social media, she was kind of surprised that she was killed. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah and not maybe. saying that any of this happened in mcleods we have no idea at all we're just yeah making the we point have that, no idea at all yeah sometimes necessity forces things in shows and sometimes that's necessity ends up being great things in shows so yeah it's an all interesting process and i think the last thing i had that really yeah, early, surprised me mm, i was just gonna say early on when they don't know if a show is going to be successful they are very tight on their budget and they have to make sure that they're paying their principal characters something that's going to entice them to be there. So, mm. all right, over to you. Definitely. <laughs> um, I think the last thing that surprised me was how strong, I think because from the start, I kind of, I felt like the sparks were between from the pilot episode, Alex and Claire and Nick and Tess. And so I had that in my head the whole time. And now, you know, I went back and looked at my notes and at the end of season one, Alex and Tess are together and have actually sort of progressed their relationship to a slightly deeper stage. And um, although they're still certainly, you know, not, not super deep by any means, but it, it's gone through a couple of different levels. And when I went back and read my notes, I was like, oh, gee, look at that. From scene one with Alex, he was pursuing Tess. And I never really thought about this season being an Alex and Tess story, but it really kind of is. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Mm. And it's and we're seeing that. I mean, I'm looking forward to ch- chatting about the next episode because we're going to see more interesting things there. Um, and I think we have to end with a, a, both our favourite characters. 
Becky, I think, Claire has changed a lot across season one, but I think Becky is the character that has had the most development and some of the most interesting development too in her character across the season. What have our favourite Becky moments been in season one, Rachel? Oh, man, I think it's going to be the episode where she finally went after that sleazy bar owner. <laughs> I love that one. And I love everything. Was Is his name Brick or oh, it's Brett? Yep. I think it sounds like they're it, saying it's, Brick. It's Brett, but, but they call him Brick a lot of the time because he sinks like a brick when he swims. <laughs> okay. okay. Oh, oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. I'm missing that detail. Um, I loved that. I love any show, any scene with him. Mm-hmm. I think I really love the scene where she confessed she couldn't read. And that scene with Jody mm-hmm. was really sweet. I really She just like seems like she's broke. She's broken, but strong. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's cute as a button. She's so mm-hmm. cute. The, the actress is adorable. And, but I feel like she just really knows she's broken. I think that's one of the things I like. Anyway. Yeah, I like best about her is that she knows she's broken, whereas all the other characters think they're not, and yet they are. And Becky's awareness of her situation gives her this wisdom that's so engaging to watch. That's right. So this is a great, if any of you out there are aspiring authors, this (laughs) is what makes a great character, a broken character who knows she's broken and carries on anyway. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Jessica and I both are students of this book called The Story Equation by our good friend Susie Mae Warren. And this is how we study characters and characters have to have some wound that the story is trying to heal. And that's exactly what I think we have. We don't really see a wound in Tess or Claire and we don't see one in Meg. And we see some frustration in Jody because she's a, a young woman trying to figure out what's next with her life. But, but clearly... Um, Becky is wounded, but she's not letting it hold her down. So I feel mm-hmm. like that's why she's such a strong character. I really like her so much. Mm-hmm. I love the moment where Brick gives her the push bike. That was just off the cute scale. <laughs> he did what? He gave her the what? And he gave her the bike, the bicycle. Oh, yeah, the bicycle. Yes, that was so cute. It <laughs> was so cute. Um, oh, and another question that we really should talk about. Do you have a favorite moment of the series overall? Or like, I don't know that I could narrow this down to one moment, but I, I had sort of like a, a grouping of moments. Yeah, there's some grouping of moments. I bawled my eyes out when Claire had to shoot her horse, but I hated uh, that she had yes. to shoot the horse. That was a good and episode, everybody, actually. Let me remind everybody, I don't like the death of animals on any television <laughs> show. And they've killed more cows on McLeod's <laughs> daughters. I'm like, Moo, poor Moose. Um, I did like some of the romantic moments between the characters. You know, there was been moments between Te- uh, Tess and Alex. Obviously, I liked watching that relationship bloom. And I loved the moments between Nick and Claire that were kind of almost there, but not quite there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved some of the moments between um, Meg and, and Jody trying to help her figure out her process and her life. Um, the one, one that just pops to mind right now is when the two guys were on the tennis court trying to one up each other <laughs> to get funny. the girl's attention. 
that was really funny. That was a, yeah. that was a really good scene. That was, and it was so typical of brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What were some of yours? You'll probably spark some ideas in me once you start talking. Yeah. Some of mine were um, any moment of that shows you Claire's friendship between either of the Ryan boys, because with, te- with Tess, like it's always, it's just very flirtatious and you're like, that's fine. You know, it's exciting, whatever, but there's not the depth of friendship there. And whereas Claire, she has been a lifelong mate to both these guys. And so, and also at different times, there's been a romantic aspect to it, but underneath that are two really strong friendships, which have seen hard times and she's seen them both, you know, at their worst and their best probably. And so, you know, all of that sort of almost romance stuff with Nick, but also just moments of friendship. And, you know, particularly there's been times when stuff's gone wrong and the boys have shown up to help the girls, like when that um, car crash happened and the lady died and the husband like had to be airlifted and Tess had to run to Kalani for help and Claire was with Mm. the people at the thing and the boys both show up and they check that the girls are okay and then they, you know, take action and stuff. I really love those moments of showing them caring about them stuff um this is a great show with like really strong women but it's not that they don't need the men in their lives at all it's just showing like how they're there for the guys and the guys are there for them and there's some really great friendships underpinning it and yeah I really loved those I mean the romance stuff is great obviously we're both romance authors we both love all that all those bits but I think <laughs> I like like the friendship ones even more that's a really great point I feel like um I love writing friendship to romance characters Mm -hmm. I I have a lot of that in my stories where they're friends first or they they're strangers and become friends and Mm -hmm. then then love comes from that and maybe it's because that's my own story I met my husband Mm -hmm. and we were best friends for years before before anything romantic happened so um that that's a really really good point about watching those friendship develop and I think there were some moments between the sisters when they got honest with each other mm, about their I past really like and, and they started telling those stories, I felt like those were really strong moments as well. And when we got glimpses of what each of them want, mm-hmm. you know, their goals and dreams, you know, Claire wants to do that horse training. Mm-hmm. And um, we saw that Tess wanted to have a coffee shop and, but we're watching Tess actually realize who she really is. And of course, Oh, one of my favorite shows is when the it was a recent one. I think it's two episodes ago, when and we we felt like it was more of a finale show when mm. she had the opportunity to leave yes. and she said, "There's one person who stay. needs to tell me to stay," and we're thinking it's got to be Alec, right? <laughs> no. no, it was Claire. She she needed to know her sister wanted her there, and that was that was really brilliantly presented and put out there. It was just a really brilliant way to show the development of their relationship but also a little bit of a red herring like we want you to stay we would think obviously it would be the man she supposedly loves we don't know that she loves Alex at this point but it was really smart to make it the sister Mm -hmm. and that's what the show is about so that was true Mm -hmm. to the show it was was. really true to the show um that's when they also threw us the curve of Nick saying stay but whispering it she's sleeping with your she's sleeping with your brother what no if you want her to say stay (laughs) say it out loud (laughs) like even if he asked her to stay which is going to start a whole if he was worried about you know he's going to start a whole other conversation ask her to stay as a friend i don't know yeah yeah whole whole thing here anyway (laughs) 
cool. But well, that starts a whole other conversation. A whole other conversation. You want me to stay? <laughs> Why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, thank you for joining me for this season one recap, Rachel. If people would like to hang out with you some more online, where can they find you? Once you guys pop by my website or you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of the usual hauntings at uh, Rachel Hauk, R-I-C-H-E-L-H-A-U-C-K. And you can check out my new release coming out May 5th called To Save a King. It's a second in the True Blue Royal series. It's standalone. You can read it by itself. But if you'd like to read the first one, To Love a Prince, check that out too. Mm-hmm. And that uh, the new one's on pre-order now, isn't it? So people can like, and it's discounted while it's on yeah. pre-order, which is lovely. Get it, get it early, yes. get it cheaper. <laughs> oh, well, I should say this because this question always comes up. Right now it's pre-order ebook only, but there will be print and there will be audio. Awesome. Gotta love audio books. Um, and if you want to hang out with the podcast more online, you can find us at McLeod's Pod on both Facebook and Instagram. Uh, and you can find me at Jessica Kate Writing uh, on all the socials and uh, my website, jessicakatewriting.com, where you can get three free short romances uh, when you sign up to my newsletter. So there's a lot of fun stuff there. And, uh, and I'm the author of A Girl's Guide to the Outback, which, if you like McLeod's, is certainly going to be up your alley. Well, I will see you next time, Rachel, to chat all about season two, episode one. There is some great drama coming up. Can't wait to chat about it. See ya. See ya. Hey, guys, just wanted to say a quick thank you to composer Bobby Abbott for our theme song. If you want to check out more about him, then you can go to Bobby Abbott Music on Facebook, and that's Abbott with two Bs and two Ts. See you all next time. (laughs) 